0: The 50th anniversary of the start of the great Protestant Reformation was celebrated last week on Tuesday, 500 years ago. On October 31st, 1517, Martin Luther nailed his 95 Theses to the door of All Saints Church in Wittenberg, Germany. Let's put that in perspective for a moment. That was only 25 years after Christopher Columbus discovered America. That was 103 years before the pilgrims came to America in 1620. It's a long, long time ago. The faith taught by the apostles and preserved for us in our Bibles had been corrupted so badly that the very substance of what it meant To be a Christ follower was all but lost. Faith had been swallowed up into greed and grace had been overcome by merit and earning it. And the scriptures had been drowned out with false teaching. And Jesus and eternal life were used to manipulate and control the people and to empower those in control. But 500 years ago, the Holy Spirit began a revival in this darkness through his scriptures Reawakening the very essence of what it means to be a Christian. The doctrine of justification by faith was the very heart cry of the Reformation. This revival focused on five fundamental truths. Authoritative teaching comes from the Bible alone. Salvation comes by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone and for the glory of God alone. I've been enjoying very much all the Reformation remembrances uh, we celebrated the heart truths of the reformation this summer here and in, in our summer sunday evening studies into the five solas the five onlys of the reformation i watched a service on the 31st live streamed uh, from ligonier ministries watched a documentary on luther i read a couple books on the reformation i listened to this great conference called uh, here we stand the rich heritage of true biblical teaching is a feast for our souls. Some of the discussion over these past few weeks have been around these types of questions. Is the Reformation complete? Is it over? Well, obviously, from a simple historic point of view, it's well over. The Protestant Reformation had its spark in Luther and and spread across Europe. Most date the end of the Reformation in the middle to late 17th century. But as a movement of God, but as an awakening of the Spirit, it still continues. And the necessity for a re-energized Reformation right here in the USA could not be any more needed. I read recently that 77% of Americans believe that their personal effort is a vital contribution to salvation. 52% straight out believe that their good deeds earn a spot for them in heaven. Where's the legacy of the Reformation gone? Where's justification by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone gone? One of the early mottos given to the Reformation in Latin is a Latin phrase uh, called "post tenebras lux," or "out of darkness, light." Out of the spiritual darkness of work-based, merit-based religion, came the light through the Scriptures, of the teaching of the true gospel of justification by faith. The light burst forth in God's timing. Empowered by God, to the glory of God, and brought eternal life and salvation to multiple millions upon millions upon millions. So is the need today. So is the need today when 77% of Americans think that it's their personal effort that contributes and earns them a spot in heaven. We need a reformation. We need post tenebras Lux. We need light to come out of the darkness and illumine the truth of the scriptures to the hearts in our community and our state and our nation. And may I say, in our churches, how many churches this Sunday morning churches that can trace their heritage back to the Reformation. How many of those churches this very morning are teaching heresy from the pulpit? That somehow you can earn it. Somehow by your effort. Somehow by your merit. Somehow by your good works. Jesus is impressed and you get a spot in heaven. How many? Way too many. If there is one thing that we must never, ever let go of, it is justification by faith alone. From there flows the beauty of God's grace. From there flows the love of Jesus Christ. From there flows the plan of God. And from there flows the hope of eternal life. Wayne Grudem said, A right understanding of justification is absolutely critical to the whole Christian faith. Once Martin Luther realized the truth of justification by faith alone, he became a Christian and overflowed with the newfound joy of the gospel. The primary issue in the Protestant Reformation was a dispute with the Catholic Church over justification If we are to safeguard the truth of the gospel for future generations, we must understand the truth of justification. He goes on to say, even today, a true view of justification is the dividing line between the biblical gospel of salvation by faith alone and all the false gospels of salvation based on good works. Justification is a doctrine that we must know, that we must embrace, lest we become a man-centered religion based on good works. May it never be. So let's look at the biblical definition of justification. One said, justification is an instantaneous legal act of God in which he thinks of our sins as forgiven and Christ's righteousness as belonging to us and declares us to be righteous in his sight. Another said justification is God's action pronouncing sinners righteous in his sight. It's a matter of our being forgiven and declared to have fulfilled all that God's law requires of us. Jerry Packer said justification is God's fundamental act of blessing, for it saves us from the past and secures us for the future. It consists on one hand of the pardon of sin and the ending of our exposure to God's enmity and wrath through our reconciliation to Him. And on the other hand, it includes the bestowal of a righteous man's standing and a title to all the blessings which God promises the just. The doctrine of justification by faith alone affirms the thoroughgoing sinfulness of all persons their total inability to deal effectively with their own sin and the gracious provision through the death of Jesus Christ of a complete atonement for sin to which persons respond in simple trust without any special claims or merit of their own. Justification simply means that God has declared the sinner righteous through the provision of the cross of Jesus Christ, that God has declared the sinner righteous through the provision of Christ on the cross. Now, listen as I read several passages in the Scripture that describe and detail for us justification by faith alone. Romans three twenty-one through twenty-five says, "But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law." This passage is saying that God's righteousness, his demand that all people everywhere must meet his standard. is not connected to keeping the law, but to faith. The righteousness of God is seen in Christ in the redemption that he brought. As the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins and is received only by faith in him. Man's righteousness doesn't even exist. The scripture says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For everyone falls short of keeping his holy standard. Our righteousness doesn't even exist. Isaiah 59, 1-2 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, or his ear dull that he cannot hear, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear you. The separation between us and God that sin has created is an unscalable crevasse that can only be bridged by Jesus and his cross. We are unrighteous. Yet we are declared righteous, acceptable in God's sight. We are justified by his grace as a gift. Because Christ has redeemed us, bought us, with the price of his death being the atoning sacrifice for our sin, taking God's righteous punishment for our sins. And all of this is received in our lives by faith. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. It's a gift that can only be received by faith. Romans 5 says, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though Perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows us his love in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Amazing passage. It's telling us. That we, you and me, enemies of God, you and me, sinners, you and me, ungodly, you and me, the objects of his judgment. That is, until in his love, he reconciled us to God and justified us, declared us righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we now have peace with God. We now have access to God. We now rejoice in God. We now have Hope we now experience all the great blessings of God because God, through Jesus Christ, has saved us. Romans four, one through five, says that. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. But not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Not to the one who works. His wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. See, Abraham's a great example for all people, whether Jew or Gentile, that as we respond in faith, God has always and will always credit to the account of the sinner, the ungodly, the guilty, his righteousness. See, in God's economy, it's always about faith. It has always been about faith. No one could ever earn a righteous standing before God. It can only be given. It can only be granted by God as a gift. Response to our faith, Philippians 3, 8-9 through 9 says, Indeed, I count everything, everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Galatians 2.16 says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And so also we have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. The chapter ends with, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Think about this now. If you can earn your own righteous standing before God, if somehow you can contribute by your own actions to your own salvation, if somehow God graded on some kind of point system and all you have to do is do more good things than bad things, then guess what? Christ died for no purpose. If you can earn it, then Jesus was a fool to die on the cross. Beloved, no one can become righteous. No one can make themselves righteous and acceptable to to God. No one in our own efforts can do that. Jesus isn't the fool. We're the fool. All people of all times have fallen short. Of God's glory. All people of all times are by choice and by nature sinners and in desperate need of salvation that only Jesus Christ can provide. First Corinthians 1.18 says, For the word of cross of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us, but to us that are being saved, it's the power of God. First Peter three eighteen says, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Many in our world want salvation. But they want it without the cross. And beloved, there is no salvation without the cross. There is no salvation without the substitutionary death and powerful resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is no salvation without Jesus paying the penalty for our sins. By taking God's wrath and judgment, there is no salvation unless the righteous one dies in place of the unrighteous ones. There's no common ground where mankind can meet God except at the foot of the cross. No self-help, no gurus, no religion, no morality. No works can save anyone. Salvation is clear. It comes only by faith through grace as a gift from God. Justification by faith is Jesus. Connecting us to God. Justific- justification is a cooperation of three persons. All three willingly must do their part. Jesus willingly gave his life as an atonement, as a payment for our sins. We must willingly respond in faith, seeing ourselves as sinners, seeing ourselves alienated from God by our sin, seeing ourselves in need of a substitute, someone to be a sacrifice in our place, a perfect Substitute for our sins. Then God applies those righteous acts of his son to our account. And we become one, united with Christ. He takes our sin and he gives us his righteousness. The theological word for that is imputation. Christ's righteousness is imputed, credited, is applied to us so that we stand before God justified, declared righteous, completely saved. When God looks at his children, what does he see? When God looks at a believer, what does he see? He sees righteousness. (laughs) Of course, not our righteousness, right? He sees Christ's righteousness. He sees a forgiven, accepted son or daughter. He sees his grace. He sees his mercy. He sees his love. He sees his son. When God looks at us, he no longer sees a sinner, but a saint. He sees a redeemed, reconciled, declared righteous Christ follower. Makes me think of Galatians 2.20. Where Paul says, for I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The power and the truth of justification changes not only our eternal destiny, but the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The doctrine of justification answers some of the hardest questions. How can a perfect and holy God, pure in every way imaginable, pardon sinners? How can a perfect and holy God, pure in every way, admit sinful men and women into heaven? How can sinful humans ever become right with God? How can I, a sinner, an enemy of God, ungodly, How can I be accepted by a perfect and holy, righteous judge? For our God is holy. One of the main descriptions of our God's character is His holiness. Holiness means separation. Holy means that that He's set apart. God is 100% set apart, separated from sin. There's a great passage on that. Several in the Scriptures. Isaiah 6 comes to mind where it says, In the year that King... Uzziah died. I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. High and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood seraphim. Each had six wings and with two he covered his face and with two he covered his feet and with two he flew. And they called out one to another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory and the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called and the house was filled with smoke. And Isaiah says, woe is me, for I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. See, our God is and complete holiness and righteousness separate from sin and he in his holiness must in his justice must punish sin God is never lenient on sin his holy character demands that every sin every last sin be dealt with sin is real sin is serious The very character of God's holiness demands of his righteousness that sin must be dealt with. God in his holiness is the judge. Psalm 711 says that God is a righteous judge. Psalm 5, 4 through 6 says, For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors bloodthirsty and deceitful men. Psalm 2.5 talks about the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. God's holiness demands complete and eternal justice. As we've already said, each human, every one of all time, including you and me, have fallen short of God's glory. Each person's sin will have to be dealt with before a holy and righteous god Hebrews 9:27 says it's appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment God's holiness God's justice and our sinfulness leads to our judgment but folks the story doesn't end there right our god's character doesn't end there our god is full of grace He's full of mercy. He's full of love. He must and he does love us. He must and he does give us his grace and his mercy. He reaches out to sinful man and he does throw through through his son. See, God is not just the judge. God is also the justifier. Because he is love. He proactively stepped into time and space. To provide for us salvation through his Son. We know the verse, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Proactively gave his only begotten Son. But whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. 1 John 4, 10 says, and this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God, in his holiness, in his love and mercy, sent his son to take the just punishment of our sins. He sent his son to take the judgment. So how can God in his holiness and justice condemn sin and punishment? And at the same time, in his grace and mercy, forgive sin and redeem mankind? The answer is simple. The answer is one word. Jesus. The explanation of the doctrine of justification by faith alone is Jesus. Because only in Jesus could God's wrath and holiness be Satisfied in his justice and only in Jesus could God's love and grace and mercy come forth and reconcile ourselves to him. It's only because of Christ's death being placed on our account that God can look and declare us righteous. It's only because of Christ's death being placed on your account that God could look at you and declare you righteous. So what's the difference that justification makes in our lives? It makes all the difference. J.I. Packer says at the end of his chapter on justification, the knowledge of one's justification is the basis of all true religion. It has always been so. It will always be. The issue is not, can one state the doctrine with full biblical accuracy, but does one know its reality in experience? True religion does not begin to the question presses how may I get rid of my sins and it exists only in those who know that the answer is not by seeing what I can do for myself but by putting my trust in Jesus and what he did for me have you come by faith to the answer of that question how may I get rid of my sins you've not come to Jesus, by faith, today is your day to move from separated from God. To remove from standing in your own unrighteousness, under his judgment, and move into the family of God. Standing in Jesus Christ, in his righteousness. Believer, do you realize that the truth of our justification gives us confidence? Confidence? God will never make us pay for the penalty of our sins. Our sins, all of them, have been forgiven. And we stand with a new relationship before God, declared righteous by Christ. His righteousness imputed to our lives. What does Romans 8.1 say? You know it, Romans one. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What does it say? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Did you hear it? How much condemnation is there for us? None. None at all. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All eternal consequences of sin have been canceled. Our condemnation has been taken away by Christ. And instead, we stand given a gift of faith through grace are justified through the redemption of Jesus Christ. Think about that. right? Think about that. What love, what freedom, what salvation, what hope, what worth God has given to us, what sacrifice Jesus has done for us, what security we have in Christ, what power and strength we have to live for Jesus Christ, what confidence we have in him because of him. Folks, God is not standing in heaven, looking down at his children with a, with a bunch of lightning bolts in his hand, and he's zapping us every time we step out of the line. Right now in your life, right now, there is no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus. What joy should overflow our souls. William Wilberforce said true Christians consider themselves not as satisfying some rigorous creditor, but as discharging a debt of gratitude, discharging a debt of gratitude. Does this mean that since we stand forgiven and justified, declared righteous before God through Christ, eternally saved and secure, that now somehow we can take sin a little less seriously? By no means may it never be. Not if we're passionately living a life of gratitude to God. Listen, as the beginning of Romans 6 challenges us, what shall we say then? Or do we continue in sin so that grace may increase? By no means. Don't think about it. No way. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been united with him into his death? We were Buried with him, therefore, by baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of father, we too might walk in newness of life. The old has passed away. The new has come. Believer, our salvation is never an excuse for sin, but the radical opposite of that. It's the very motivation to live a life for Christ. It's the very motivation to walk in newness of life. Believer, this morning, especially this communion morning, evaluate your heart. Get serious about the great salvation you've been given. Beloved, the truth of our justification is the key to living a life free of sin having dominion over us. Free To love God with all our hearts, free to love our neighbor, free to follow God's mission of making him known, free to glorify God and to enjoy him forever, free to be the person that God has created us and called us to be. What a great salvation. Perhaps today, if you were completely honest with yourself, you'd have to say, That your sins are still standing as a separation between you and your God. Perhaps today as you evaluate, you've never made the great exchange. You've never exchanged your sinfulness for Christ's righteousness and salvation. You've never exchanged your spiritual death for his life and eternal life. You've never exchanged your enmity and your ungodliness with God for his steadfast love and grace and mercy. What today, right now, can be your time to call out in faith, to cry out to God by faith and accept Christ's righteousness in exchange for your sinfulness and walk in newness of life. Let's pray. Father, we come in these moments. I'm just... Blown away by your love and grace to us. Blown away by Jesus Christ's sacrifice. Blown away that you would call me and give me eternal life and hope. Thank you. Thank you. It's made all the difference. As we lift up our hearts to you now in prayer, we thank you. We say thank you. Live a life of gratitude for you. And, Father, Lord, we also pray that your spirit might be moving and might be calling out and bringing someone home. In Jesus' name, amen.